Hello and welcome to this week's podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Kieran. And I'm Amy. And this week we're looking at anthology films. Oh. oh. Films within films, sort of. Different characters. Interconnecting crossing. stories, I think, is yeah. more appropriate. That word is too long for me. And we have a certain person to thank for this theme. His name is Mr. Tom Carley. Yes, thanks for getting through the website, Thomas. Yeah, thanks, Tom. I couldn't think of any films, really, that were interconnecting stories. Uh, apart from the three that we chose, can you name any? Um, there's, a, there's a couple other others. Yeah, well, there's one I was going to do, it was Toy Between Them, but because you hadn't seen my choice, I vo- voted for that one. It was going to be Sin City, but nope, not this time. Save that for another podcast. I'm sure we can squeeze that in somewhere. So we're going to start with my choice. My film choice is a film that I saw years and years ago, just on an off chance on BBC Two, and it was just so bizarre that I thought, God, what the hell is this? And it went on forever. Razor head. (laughs) It's actually a really, really good film, and my choice is Magnolia. It came out in 1999. It didn't do that well when it came out because it was three hours and eight minutes long. A lot of people just found it way too long and a lot of cinemas didn't even show it because of its length. Which seems weird now when you think of films of Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. that, you know, go on for, you know, half a day and, they, <laughs> and all the, the Twilight Saga and you can go to movie marathons, things like that. And people love it. And basically Magnolia is about 24 hours in LA and just the struggle and lives of the central characters and how they sort of are interwoven. I didn't really get the 24-hour thing till you've just said it then, I suppose. Yeah, it was all quite quick-paced. What did you think? I loved it, yeah. I'm glad uh, we watched it prior to uh, the other films. It really got me in the mood. Um, This was recommended by a lot of people I've been speaking to recently as well, and I literally was blown away by it. It's so in-depth. And there's so many characters. I think yeah, after uh, we saw it, we were just thinking, well, our film doesn't really stand up to that. <laughs> I think this is the perfect anthology film. It really was just a mass scale film with so much going on. So many people like, oh, look, it's John C. Wright. Oh, look, it's Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, it's Tom Cruise. And it's just constant people and interesting and good and all round excellent. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's got some really stellar acting performances by all the cast I'd say really great soundtrack by Amy Mann and it's just a very well directed piece of cinema yeah I thought it was brilliant I remember watching it absolutely years ago on VHS that's how long ago it was Um, did they make tapes that long back then? (laughs) let's turn it around (laughs) (laughs) oh look at you (laughs) Um, I fell asleep halfway through and I remember waking up at the um, iconic scene that I won't mention in case it gives anything away. I don't think it gives too much away. Is it it's spoilers? Not... It's kind of a surprise. It's just, mm, yeah. But, it, yeah, that's all I knew about it and that Tom Cruise was a, a bit of a bastard, really. <laughs> that's all I can remember. And I have to say, well done for Tom Cruise doing a role that's very different to yeah. one. It's not Mission Impossible, is it? <laughs> no, certainly not. I, I read that and the director... Met him on um, a set. What's your nodding set head? Of, um, Eyes wide shut. There you our go. Our favourite film. Oh, so clearly trying to get out of that one, and he yeah. said, "Keep me in mind for this." And I had to really convince him to do the role, but I'm so glad he did because he's done. Obviously, he's gone on to do the standard action hero role, but I think the key roles that are different are this one and him in um, 
Tropic Thunder, where he yeah. plays the boss, yeah. and it was. I love those roles. When he's, it's like Matthew McConaughey in the Killer Joe. You just love someone to change their whole persona and just turn it upside down. And he was probably one of the best, better performances. I thought you were going to bring up Rock of Ages then, when he looks like a toddler. He <sighs> looks like a toddler. Yeah. Is, is that what you thought in Rock of Ages? So short. Oh, a toddler just, with a six pack. Toddler with six pack and having sex. <laughs> <laughs> no. What toddlers you see, Amy. <laughs> yeah, it's just in comparison to the normal size people, he just looks so normal short. Normal size whoa, people. Whoa. Are you having a go at midgets? That's why. Someone's been very offensive tonight. <laughs> Tom Cruise, the midget. I, I like Tom Cruise. I, I think he is tarnished with some silly things he's done, like Scientology, and we sometimes forget that he is quite a good actor as well. Yeah, I think if you cut away his personal life yeah he's a stellar actor really there's not many other actors can do so many massive blockbuster films as he does and Mission Impossible is quite a good series really and he does all his own stunts as well he does and he loves his fans which he stands out in the rain you can't really say a bad thing about him really so hey Tip of the hat to him. There's obviously a lot of other good performances in that. Obviously, oh. my new man crush, John C. Riley. Yeah, I think his character, especially, was brilliant. He just showed so much emotional depth, and it wasn't really what I expected from the film. From what I can remember, I just remember it being really weird, and it's just a really interesting take on different relationships. It's it's a lot deeper than. Um, than looks on the surface. I really liked Philip Seymour Hoffman in this. Mm. I thought he was great as the sort of male nurse and the way he bonded with the older character. Oh, that was really touching. And I, I, you know what? I think everyone in this film was great. And I just think it is one of those pieces of cinema that just works. Mm. Everything about it, I can't really fault it apart from its length. You know, but then you don't, you're not bored of it. You're just put off by the idea of a three hour and eight minute film. But once you get into it, I don't really think that becomes an issue. No, I think there's enough going on to keep you um, your attention sustained throughout the whole film. It doesn't, it doesn't drop at any point. No, certainly not. Um, no, it doesn't drop at any point. I think it just kept going on, and it's just really enjoyable. There's no downside to it at all. It's just really enjoyable, and you want to get to the conclusion of everyone's story. And some are good, and some are bad, and. So that's life, isn't yeah, it? It's, a very, it's an accurate portrayal of life. Yeah, certainly, and it's just um, well accurate to a certain extent. There's one scene that I wouldn't really say that's ever happened to me. Well, no, you true. know, I'll say I think we've overlooked one actor. So I just wanted to mention him because I think he's brilliant. William H Macy. Yeah, and because he just kind of he plays a damaged character, but he, on the surface, he comes across quite normal. Well, I suppose that's not true at all. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, I just think I'm processing, I'm speaking and thinking at the same time. A classic Rob trait here. <laughs> no, I, I liked his character the most as well because really? I just like how, yeah, I love that scene at the bar with the um, other, the older gentleman and they're fighting over the barman, Brad. I thought it was brilliant. I really like that scene and it just shows how much, like he says, love he's got to give but it gives it to the wrong places. I liked his character a lot. And I liked uh, Alfred Molina as well as the oh, boss. Oh, he's brilliant! It's such a, a nice sh- surprise. Yeah. See, I knew that you two would love this film. I knew Amy would love it because it has a hint of Indian in it, <laughs> because of its length, because of almost the slight pretension about the script in places. It's got a bit of a cult feel because it didn't do so well at the cinema, and it's got people like Philip Seymour Hoffman <laughs> on it who are key indie characters. And it's got Julianne Moore. I love Julianne Moore. 
And uh, yeah, I love Julianne Moore as well, and she was really good. She played the character really well. Mm. She wasn't a likable character. Yeah, I was but... going to say, yeah, that's it. I, I must agree. I didn't like her character in the slightest, but then that's the sign of a good actress. I, or I, did, I felt sorry for her. <sighs> no. Uh, uh, no. I knew Rob would like it because of his new love of John C. Riley. Just that one thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He was so good, though. Like that's the thing. He doesn't even sound. He does. He looks so much younger. Uh, they all he, look so young. Yeah, it's crazy. So, I know it was like a long time ago that it came out. What happens when I you know. get older? That's the thing. He's so young, and his voice hasn't got kind of that uh, gr- uh, deep gravelly, gravelly voice uh, that we're not used to now with his more recent films, and more so in his comedies. You hear it, but it just shows that. I was saying to Amy as well. I think he's a really diverse actor. I think he does really good roles because to be honest I only knew him from the comedies and I thought oh where's this guy been and he's been busy doing all these dramas and his indie dramas yeah, he's that's what he's these, been hiding yeah, yeah and he's, he's so good and he's brilliant and we need to talk about Kevin as well I'm definitely liking all his films at the moment I'd like to go through all of them so out of ten what would you give my film if you had to oh You're definitely above an eight it's eight and above yeah um, I'd probably have to give it a nine I'll give yours an eight, yeah, definitely. It was it was very good. I definitely recommend it. If you got, don't be put off by the time. If you want to see a good film, you just have to sit through it, and it's rewarding. Yeah, because when I told you how long it was, yeah, you... that's why we moved bunk this one first, brought it to the forward instead of uh, doing my choice first. Yeah, get it over and done with. But that's how I felt. enjoyed it. Yeah, that's how I felt. I was just like, oh well, if we're gonna have limited time and this turnaround of the podcast this time, we'll do the longer one first, and it was. I don't think uh, the other films are top it. They're depending uh, on the sense of the theme of anthology because there's so many stories mm. going in it and the camps is all proper interlinked with everybody. That's it is the definition of film. If we look like we normally do the old f- theme with one main film and three to go with, I think it would have been better to do that. But your choice, I think, blows everyone else out of the water. Then on to yeah. ours. Oh, on to ours, actually. Was it nominated for any awards? I know you said it didn't do very well, but was there any credit to actors? So, yeah, Rob, um, it was nominated for Best Screenplay, and also Tom Cruise got a nomination for Actor and Support Role, and Amy Mann's song, Save Me, was also nominated. I suppose, is there a main character to the film? I would have thought Tom Cruise's character would have been the main character. Or John C. Riley? Um, I think maybe... I don't know really because they're, they're almost all supporting it's all roles. equal it's all equal I'm just surprised Tom Cruise would be up for the supporting I thought Philip Seymour Hoffman is in I it think he's a little less yes. than Tom Cruise well there you go it's, it's long gone there's no point worrying about that and they all we deserve. Say it's bloody great it is. go it see is. it, it and the soundtrack Fantastic. is beautiful as well Everything. yeah and there's a really really funny well it's not funny but I found it really funny that Gabrielle's dreams was in this film it took me right back to the 90s bit of R&B UK hits there yeah but I think there is uh, one of my favourite scenes is still the fact that um, all the cast sing along to one of the songs and it's yeah just, that's brilliant it's a really I, really like it, I got a kind of a lost vibe from that like the TV series Lost because obviously that's kind of a very yeah. modern TV show based on anthology stories um, I kind of got the way that was shot because it was kind of the camera was rolling past them all yeah. was, and the music's playing they're singing I got that kind of vibe but it was very good uh, it's a very sad film at the same time it's sort of like 
hope, loss and struggle, isn't it? And, you know, the lyrics of that song that they're singing, the fact that they say, it's not going to stop, so just give up. That's mm-hmm. the lyrics. And it does sound like sort of like slit your wrists kind of stuff, but it's beautiful. So go check it out. Certainly. It's, it is the cliche of a roller coaster ride of emotion. Full of actors on the ride with you. Woo! <laughs> so moving on to a bit more of a light-hearted film. Yeah, very light-hearted. I don't really think I can compete with that, but oh, I'm gonna. I think, no. you, I think you can compete. At the end of the day, we're looking at films with the interwining stories. Because at the end of the day, I think mine and yours. I think yours has a better interwining because the way it plays out. Mm. But we'll go into that. Well, my film is Richard Curtis's Love Actually. Love it. Actually. <laughs> it is it is a must every Christmas. I'm actually quite upset because I couldn't find my copy of the DVD in time for Christmas, so I might have to go and purchase See, it again. You know I what? think of it more of a as a Valentine's Day film because it came out on DVD for Valentine's Day. Ah. So that's what I think of it as. Ah, See, so yeah, really? I remember nah. what, I, I watched it at the cinema uh, on the run-up to Christmas. Yeah, same so. here. I'm going to always associate it with that, that, that time of year. Maybe it's a blessing disguise that you've lost it on DVD and you get it on Blu-ray. That is true. Is it available on Blu-ray? I don't know. But let's remember, Amy does own it twice on DVD, so is a Blu-ray really necessary? Yes, because you can't find either copy. <laughs> let's download it. more about your house. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Love Actually is about love, actually. It's actually said in the film, though, that, isn't it? When he's narrating. Yeah, well, the word actually is used 22 times throughout the whole film. Really? Yeah, it doesn't actually really seem that much. No, it doesn't again. actually, now that you say no. it. <laughs> but um, I suppose in an hour and, an hour and a half, that's quite a lot of times to say, actually. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, so it's it's about love, it's about relationships, It's um, it kicks off and it ends in an airport. It's that idea of people meeting after they've been apart for a long time. And it's just, it's lovely. It's a, a really good cast, a lot of British, um, a lot of amazing British actors and actresses in this. In this. Bill Nighy. Emma Martin Thompson. McCutcheon. That's the, this is the fact. <laughs> she, she, she is amazing. the... Tiffany! She is the the least amazing of the cast. She's not that bad. I think she's, she's actually really good. Yeah, leave old Thunderfires alone. Compared to Emma Thompson. Oh well, no, because Emma Thompson is amazing, isn't she? Yes, she? I love her. That scene when she's listening to Joni Mitchell just breaks my heart. I know that is a really sad scene. She's such a good actress. Actor. She is. What did, and sorry. she what, is it actor. Yeah. It's actor. And sorry. she's amazing as Nanny McPhee. <laughs> she I is. I watched that again the other day. It's so good. It is so good. Another she's so classic talented. British film. She wrote it. She did. Yeah, she wrote it and directed, didn't she? She's writing Just... the new uh, Peter Rabbit book. As is well. she? She is. I love Peter Rabbit. I know. She, she's just bloody brilliant. I think he, she, he goes on holiday to Scotland. She's something. national treasure. She is. God save. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she should be. She should be. Come on, Queenie, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. She's like getting stick out. I know we dive in a bit, but she's like good friends with um, Stephen Fry as well, isn't she? They went to like the same yeah. uni and everything. Oh, God, yeah. she gets cooler and cooler. But we digress. we digress. We like digressing on the podcast. We do. And we like Emma Thompson. <laughs> we do. Yeah. And we like love, actually. Yeah, it's amazing performances. Again, like I was saying in the interlude, not interlude the prelude to this section of saying that your the characters in Love Actually intertwine a lot better 
Yeah, they, they do. And they pop up in everyone's story. Yeah, they're all connected. All connected. Because um, there's, again, there's more characters. So it's nicer when you find out that Emma Thompson's actually the sister of Hugh Grant, who's the Prime Minister. And you're like, yeah. And they find out at the end and so forth. Another many happy goings go go through the Christmas film. Yeah. What is it? It's just so, it's just so happy. Well, yeah, it is tinged with sadness at times, but it's dealt in such a way that you think there could be hope at the end for those situations. And it is is a perfect Richard Curtis style um, script, isn't it? Let's face it, you know, it's it's the same in the way that Four Weddings and a Funeral and My Favourite Notting Hill. And if we think back to Vicar of Dibley on TV, you Mm. know, it has that same feel to it. He knows a way to warm our souls. He does, especially at Christmas. Yeah. Is there a particular story you liked in Love, actually, the most? Is there any key... Was it just the Prime Minister and yeah, I the think Secretary? Ma- I think Martin McCutcheon, actually. Because she hasn't really done much, has she? She did uh, UK Soap EastEnders, and that's essentially it. She's done this. Yeah. Well, she ha- didn't she have a few songs? Was she she did have a singing career, yeah. Yeah, spelled oh, well. like that. But I don't think that lasted very long. But no, that's it. Like, and she's always to be remembered, and she's very likable. Yeah. And let's not forget, guys. Liam Neeson made a good film. Yes, <laughs> he oh, did. of course we're overlooking Liam. He did. He's quite sweet in there. He is. But it's a, a little over sentimental. His story at the end, where he uh, meets someone. No, oh, no, come on! If you're going for it, you might as well throw it all in and go for full sentiments. And I loved it. I loved it. It's good. It is a feel-good film. I remember watching it at the cinema. It was at Christmas. It's, you cannot not like this film unless you are a Care Bear villain. You're a Care Bear villain or the Grinch. So, what, what would you guys give this out of ten? Well, because well, you know what for for entertainment value I'd still give it a 9 it's up there because you know it is one of those films that it'll be on you can just sit back enjoy it you know you kind of want like an open fire some sort of mince pie hot chocolate some food family around you glow with a Christmas tree a camembert perfect a camembert dipping a turkey drumstick into the camembert a bit too far but you know what (laughs) It sounds, you know, go for it, Rob. It just, that's the kind of, you just want that warm family feeling. And that you get that with love, actually. So I do think nine out of ten for entertainment value. Because we're comparing it in this big scheme of things, I look at it slightly different. It is a very good film, but it, I don't think it's close to the scope of Magnolia. I go for Magnolia eight, at least an eight. I haven't, I'll round it up in a minute. I'd say this is a six. But that's not... Ooh. A, but it's still good. It's better than average. You know what I'm like. I kind of... I'm Rob on the fence. No, it's a five. This is over the fence. This is good in the good section. Well done, love, actually. <laughs> well done, you're a six. I'd be interested as well to know what our international listeners think about love, actually. And if they've seen it... Because it's like because British in your face. Obviously, it is very British, you know. Rubbing the soundtrack was British. Um, everyone on it was pretty much British Laura Linney Laura Linney oh she's good the one with the sad story not British she's lovely and then the boyfriend well the the guy from Lost but the majority British and I just wonder if you does everyone get the comedy do you get the humour do you enjoy love actually the way we enjoy love actually let us know 
Yeah. It, it's kind of like we're rooting for these characters that we've grown, seen in like soaps or yeah. little TV programs like Andrew, I can't remember his surname, Andrew Lincoln. Now who, in The Walking Dead. Yes, Now in The Walking Dead. He, and this like, is in this film, and you want you rooting for him because he's in Teachers. Yeah. Over here, and he's like this little role, and he's like, yeah, go on, in the big film now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Rowan Atkinson is in it a couple it's, of times. It's, a, it's, a, so, it's like a little cameo, really, isn't it? Yeah. For him? But, and Kira Knightley. Yes, yeah, that's, uh, that's a, you know, one of my favourite actors in the world. It's <laughs> mm. that still face. wrinkling that face. So many good ones. But. That's, like Kieran said, the reason we enjoy it so much might just be because it's so British. Yeah. And it's got that classic British feel. That it's got that really Christmassy... crap British weather. Yeah. It's not too bad. Mainly stuff. There's no rain. I don't I'm see no rain. I'm pretty sure there is going to there is Yeah, some I'm pretty rain sure there's there. some rain. There yeah. can never be a British Christmas right. without rain. We're going to have to dig out your one of these DVDs somewhere <laughs> and watch it again fresh, but I'm pretty sure there's no rain. It's Christmas. It doesn't rain at Christmas. Either way, great film. Six hours. Watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know it's the perfect time for it. If it's on TV or you can find it online legally, watch it and uh, enjoy it. Yeah, definitely. 100%. Give it a go. So, moving on to the last go. one. We kind of had like a, a feel good sandwich there. Amy's is nice in the middle. At either side of Magnolia, and my choice, which is Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. Quentin Tarantino's uh, massive anthology film that's widespread popularity and uh, acclaim I would say it's a modern classic certainly a lot of people would after after Reservoir Dogs um, this one came out and everyone there was a lot of hype and I think it lived up to the hype I didn't this is one of my first Quentin Tarantino films I've seen and I chose it obviously because it's an anthology film Pulp Fiction follows three main characters You've got Vincent Vega played by John Travolta Butch Coolidge played by Bruce Willis and Jules Winifred played by Samuel Jackson and these are the three main characters uh, through the film but they do kind of spread out to other stories and you meet a lot of other characters a lot of people that they're connected with yeah certainly it's, the theme rolls around uh, their boss who they're trying to get a suitcase back for and you, you never know what's in the suitcase lots of ideas about that a glow at the end that is the only clue as to what's in it and a lot to get in 666 Mm. hardly hard to get into that suitcase is it (laughs) no not really but that wouldn't be my first guess yeah but if you were having a go 999 you know you'd get there eventually I don't know I I probably wouldn't go that way I'd I'd go 000123 Oh, no, no, no. Never crack the case. No, I, would, I would never be able to find out what is that glow. What that glow oh. is. No, that's it. It's, Quentin Tarantino hasn't said what's in the glow. You can make of it what you will. So, it could be anything. Have could you be, got any personal theories of what it might be? Well, I was reading it could be the ear to cut off from um, Reservoir Dogs. Oh. oh. Why would you want that back? Yeah, exactly. Why would it glow? This is just crazy people yeah, on the internet. Don't worry about it. It's what everyone. It, it, I would be so. You know what? It's a glow stick. Gutted that's if that's what I found in there. <laughs> glow stick already. Pumpkin. <laughs> lovely. Says that it's beautiful. It is. I, that's it. It's not said. Quentin Tarantino has not said what it is. Just let's move on. We could speculate all day. We could. We could. So yeah, it's following uh, a non-linear storyline. Classic Tarantino. Yeah, classic Tarantino. It's all over the place. There's seven main chapters, a prologue, 
and then five in the middle and then an epilogue at the end and yeah it, I think it's an amazing piece of cinema I've only seen it a few times but watching it again I just knew it all yeah. off my heart it's one of these films I did in media study so I've analysed it enough that it's ingrained onto my brain so I just thought I'd bring it to the table over my other choice which would have been Sin City just because Kieran hadn't seen it and I thought it's going to be wasted if you don't see it I think it's definitely worth a watch I think it's absolutely brilliant what do you think Kieran? well um yeah okay it was a good film but there were some flaws for me um and I, I, I don't want to be the one person that says it because you know I can see you two are big super fans on the table well it I was, think it's probably because I watched it years and years ago maybe and so did Rob so we it's, sort it's of I've had to a little bit yeah, and I've had to endure the hype before seeing yeah. it yeah that's the same thing I was saying about Reservoir Dogs I only watched that this year for the first time but to me it met it met the hype Another one that I had on VHS. I, I mean, I felt mm. that it was a classic Tarantino-style script. You know, mm. when people sat down to chat, they didn't have a conversation. They spat a dictionary at each other. <laughs> full of swear words. Uh, full of swear words and then full oh. of words to try to sound clever. And I feel that sometimes it works. Sometimes it felt unnecessary. I mean, Uma Thurman was a junkie wife, but she was saying things that I felt weren't, really part of her character she seemed a bit dim really you know she seemed the ditzy wife of the millionaire drug lord and then she was saying things that just didn't fit her character and that's just for me very philosophical things yeah very yeah. philosophical things that she would never say mm-hmm. and so for that reason I found that a bit frustrating and he does that with nearly all his films the only films I feel he doesn't really do it is Inglorious Bastards because I think he gets everyone right on that you know you've got these soldiers and they don't spur out this pretentious shit yeah. <laughs> all the time and the same with Kill Bill Bill is a very um intelligent character and so he can get away with saying it but some of the other characters don't go so eloquently as the, they do in Pulp Fiction yeah however so, I do think the script the scene when they're in the um, apartment Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta is brilliant when they're chatting to the three guys um, that's brilliant however the rest of it lets it down just one scene you like one scene script wise Yes, oh, right. the way that they speak to each other. The dialogue, yes, that was. Uh, I thought that was amazing. What but about the um, the classic Royale with cheese? Do you think that's pretentious? That was the scene that I liked. Okay. That was the scene that I thought was really interesting. I thought it was funny. Samuel L. Jackson is great at his character. You know, he is great at it. He gets it. Um, swears an awful lot. Swears an awful lot. That is that's, his thing. Yeah. that's the thing. He's the only one that can really get away with this swearing. Like cameo from Quentin Tarantino pops up uh. as Jimmy uh, Jules Samuel Jackson's uh, friend and what great you want to be in your own film but but you're not a good actor yeah we're trying to say it. do what you're good he's at. not the worst actor it's just his voice is just so whiny it's got that kind of it's holds the end of the sentence time. and then he swears and he throws in the n-bomb and it's just it's like like uh. hearing a muppet swear <laughs> it's unpleasant to hear and I find him a bit squirmy in whatever role he plays. I think be he it, is uh, naturally Reservoir squirmy. Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Little Nicky. 
it, whatever role and film he's in, I don't think he's very good at acting. It's a bit sleepy. And so I, I think he should just learn to be behind the camera. He has done his more later films, hasn't he, though? I can't yes. remember him in Kill Bill. I can't remember him in um, Inglourious Bastards. I'm sure he's in every film that he's done. What, even just a little bit? Yeah, he he yeah. may not have been like a main He's character. doing Hitchcock. And when he was in Planet Terror, Rodriguez film, he wasn't good in that. Either. I was to say, the one I think he's worse in, and he had quite a substantial role, is uh, Dust Till Dawn. Oh. I don't like him in Dust at all. George Clooney carries that's that whole why they film. Him off. Yeah, well, he comes back briefly, and that's it. I was like, oh, he's back. Ah, oh, he's dead again. But that's it. I know oh, he didn't direct that one. Yeah, I know he kind of produced it and whatever, blah, 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 blah. But anyway, I'll say, when we were watching this, I was like eagerly looking at your faces. Like, this is a key scene. This is a key scene. And just like these, all the whole film is an essential classic. I just forgot how good it was. And like you said, that scene in the apartment is really good with the, the cheeseburger, the gun, him spouting um, from the Bible. It's all just ticks all the boxes for me. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's really iconic now, isn't it? You just equate pop fiction with popular culture. Yeah, definitely. Well, Quinta Tantino does that quite a lot in his films mm-hmm. as well, doesn't he? But yeah, you can buy Jules's wallet now. Bad motherfucker wallet, you can buy that. You can get all sorts of other merchandise, probably. Well, as I was say, I mean, Banksy's done uh, pictures of, of course, with uh, Jules and uh, Vince with the bananas. I was famously painted over by the council, didn't realize, idiots. Um, uh, and yeah, it's just a staple now of that's the film he's known for isn't it really Reservoir Dogs kind of but Pulp Fiction is the one that stable, stapled it because it's up for, it was up for Best Picture the Oscars so I'm glad I saw it and I can see why people like it and I do think it had some great scenes I just for me it was just trying to be too clever and that put me off the film you know you are what you are don't try and be something else mm-hmm. and so for that I would give it out of ten Six. Ooh, Ooh that's lower than I expected. No, love actually any day for me. What do you think, Amy? What would you I'd, give it out of ten? I'd give it a nine. I love it. I think it's because I've I've grown up with it to a certain extent. Not that I saw it as soon as it came out because I was nine years old when it came out. So um, it's your eighteens. Yeah. So I I I watched it when I was a teenager mm-hmm. at some point, but I loved it. Like I said. I did it media studies. I've looked through this film many times and looked through different meanings, blah, blah, blah. So it's always been a staple of my life and a film I will hold dear. I, I love would... um, Uma Thurman in it as well. Even though she's only in it briefly, mm. I suppose. Well, not briefly. She doesn't have... She has one compared story. Compared to Kill Bill. <laughs> she's well, yeah, in it briefly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and compared to Kill Bill, yeah. I always thought that I'd quite like to dress up as her in Pop Fiction for Halloween. Don't you just love that restaurant? With syringe I... coming up, a bit of foam at the mouth? No! That'd be really cool! Was, like, just go be... dancing or whatever she's be... doing. That'd be a great Halloween part-like costume. I could do Vince. You could do that. Yeah, but I'd have to lose my glasses and I wouldn't know where I'm going. I'd have to lose my glasses. We're both, both in the same be blind. Place. But I was gonna give you my slide pop fiction <laughs> characters. <laughs> Look great, didn't make it to the party. <laughs> so Kieran gave it a six, Amy gave it a nine, and I'd also give it a nine. As good as Magnolia was, this it's just got a sentimental value. Uh, Magnolia was brilliant, it really was, but this just tips it. So that's our rundown of anthology films. That was a good one. I thought it got the brain going and think. Yeah, At the end of the day, really we've enjoyed all enjoyed that. each other's films. It's just some are better than others. 
Yeah. All, all films people should give a go and have a watch. Yeah, them. hands down. Mm. Hands down. So that was our look at anthology films. Thanks very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please feel free to leave a comment. So we do get back to listeners. Obviously, uh, a regular fan, Tom, suggested this theme. So we do listen to all our listeners out there. Yeah, so if you've got any requests on anything that you'd like us to cover in future podcasts, please let us know. Hopefully we'll be uh, around again soon with another interesting podcast. We haven't quite decided on a theme yet, so we'll keep you on your toes. As long as it's not musicals. That's coming very soon, though. (laughs) Thanks very much for listening, guys. Thanks very much. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening. That was Amy, Kieran and Rob. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. And if you'd like to find out more movie news and reviews, please go to www.movierwriting.co.uk. Bye-bye.